You are listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Screener Squad. I am with Wright. Hello. Ryan. Hey, hey, hey. And Marco. Hey, everybody. Today, we're reviewing a documentary, which already I love. I love documentaries. Like, I'm a sucker for just knowledge and reading books is pretty stupid. So (laughs) very lame. Very lame. It's overrated. Uh, I like to get my information, you know, thrown at my face i don't want to have to like actually like work at it right no no critical thinking allowed yes uh today we reviewed a movie called this is guar well let's go around the table uh has anybody ever seen guar or listened to guar before this documentary Ooh, no i did it in my best guar voice i'm sorry but i've never seen guar no i have not i have not although i've had the opportunity I am familiar with Guar. I know their shtick, and I have friends who are huge fans of the band and have spent many hours telling me how great they are. Let's just say that I have an admiration for what they've accomplished more than for their music, mm-hmm. but I still have a lot of respect for what they've managed to do for the past several decades. Yeah, I I have seen them a couple times, um, and oh, no it way. has always been like a, an amazing experience. I also saw um, in the DC area they opened up like a little pop up bar thing. What they was actually that. the, the okay, Guar Bar? Is, yes, uh, well, it's it's like it was sort of like Guar Bar, but basically what happened is, and I'm going to keep this extremely short. There was this like Rick and Morty pop up bar that opened, and the owners didn't actually get the rights to Rick and Morty. So they were like, let's just get Guar. And they came in and destroyed all the Rick and Morty props and just took over, which is the most perfect thing that could ever happen. Fuck yeah. In in that regard. (laughs) Also, if you go to a bar and drink any kind of fluid offered to you by someone associated (laughs) with Guar, you are a braver person than I am. This is straight from a cuttlefish. (laughs) (laughs) Remember the guy in the beginning was like, hey, there used to be like mold and maggots in this thing. At least now we like clean it out and have safety precautions like. Well, so real quick, I'm a metalhead, punk rock. You know, I love all that shit. Right. Gore was always the band I wanted to go see because I was told, like, I have to see them before. Like the music doesn't really matter. It's about going to the show. And I just never made it to a show. Mm -hmm. But I I texted a buddy that uh, always wanted to take me to one. And I asked him, you know, describe Guar in one sentence. And he says, Guar is what happens when the crusty jerk off sock underneath Eddie Munson's bed is brought to life by the powers of his killer solo. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect, honestly. Yeah. And that's why I asked him for that hot take. Guar is a band that started in, it was like 84 Early um, 80s. Yeah, early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they were all, it was basically two guys, uh, Dave Brocky and Hunter, uh, Hunter. Jackson. Jackson. 
Thank you. See, I'm, I'm see, I'm still learning all these names because like I knew nothing about Gwar other than like, oh, they're gross and they go on stage and just play metal and, you know, be gross, which I'm all for. But yeah, these two dudes, one was a filmmaker at an art school and the other was just a punk band singer in the Killer Piggies. Yeah. Yeah. Death, Death Piggy. Piggies. Death Piggy. One day he was like, hey, those costumes are cool. And he like had a flamboyant personality to pull it off while the other guy was making these costumes for his, you know, film that he was making. And that's how Gwar started. Uh, and ever since then, it's been, you know, 30 years of different musicians almost uh, they said hundreds of different members it's not all musicians like some of them are performance artists some of them are you know uh they called slaves the, the, as they the say slaves the people that made <laughs> all the costumes and the the accoutrement that come with being in gore yeah it was like a an art collective really in the end which i think I didn't really know about them until we watched this, that it's not just, like you said, like it's not necessarily just a band. And like, I guess Ryan, it's not necessarily just a, you know, just going to see like a metal show is see a whole performance. And it's really cool the way that they, they, they lay it all out and they explain the, like the origin of how it all comes together from these two guys that were really just wanting to entertain because they had a shitty time at art school in uh, Virginia. And they were like, fuck all this. Let's just uh, like go against the grain like crazy and have this like odd uh, kind of art collective where this commune of people who are like like-minded that like loved punk music, that loved making art in general. And they all made this crazy sci-fi gore fest, hypersexual band <laughs> that like semi took over like a lot of pop culture. Like I remember like those moments like in Jerry Springer when they're on there and now looking back like that, it's almost like they were the middle uh, like Andy Kaufman kind of thing where they were just like totally playing everyone else, even though there was a lot of like backstage antics that uh, led to some uh, pretty severe things. I mean, that's being in a band, right? Like I was going to say being in a metal band, but fuck man, just being on the road for weeks with the same people, there's drugs. There's so many different things that could, you know, tempt you and not that any of that stuff is inherently evil but too much of a good thing is horrible yeah and you know the, like any good documentary like they definitely show us the highs but there are some lows with the band like you know there's there's deaths there's people that got shot uh jesus that, yeah that whole sequence i it's it's one of my few complaints of the of the film because it goes pretty far into a lot of their lives, but there's like two instances that happen that I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what the hell happened there? Like there is someone who gets shot, one of the band members, and that whole experience is just like I like that it it goes deeper into the impact that it had on the person who got shot and the person that was there that stayed with them just to make sure they were okay. But like, what the fuck happened to the people? Or like. Who shot him? Like, what What the hell happened there? And there's another death that's very, very important that just, it's not glossed over, but, like, the reason why it happened. I'm like, whoa, wait, so what happened there? But then again, I understand that, like, they're trying to edit this together and, like, they don't have all the time in the world. But it kind of feels like, though, it's definitely a documentary for the fans. Because, like, think yeah, about yeah. war in general. Like, nobody seeks out gore. Like, it, it always seems like you hear about <laughs> gore through somebody else, right? 
or you end up at a show and Gore's the opener. Well, Ryan, like as a fan, can I call you a fan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Offensive? Yeah. Okay. And, I, and I would say it's the same uh, thing that Marco said. Like, I've never they, they have some songs that are OK, but I, I don't think I've ever like actively gone on Spotify and put on like a war song. Really, <laughs> it's more about the performance. It's more about going to see these like crazy, fun, like ridiculous live shows. And it was the same thing. Like I had a f- good friend from high school who moved to Richmond. And I ended up uh, having an internship and like working in Richmond for a little bit. And he was just like and he introduced me to to war. We used to always go to like death metal and like thrash metal shows together all the time when we were younger. And he he introduced me to it. And it was and, uh, you know, and Guar Bar in Richmond, which is a really fun place, too. And and yeah, it's I, I do feel like this documentary was really effective and was even though it didn't there, there were certain. Uh, parts that and I, I agree right where I feel like they, they could have gone into a little bit more more detail and I would have found it interesting but I feel like this is just a really good interesting little history of like one of the probably one of the weirdest bands to ever ever exist and I appreciate that they just they did a lot of I feel like documentaries uh about like bands or musicians they they can't you, you could easily gloss over uh some of the tougher parts in their lives or yeah. make, make a puff piece and what i really did appreciate is a lot of these guys were talking very genuinely about these really difficult things that happened to them and getting really emotional and i think that was the most surprising takeaway from this is there were moments that i was getting a little bit choked up watching this. And if you would have told me going into a Guar documentary that I would feel that way, <laughs> uh, I'd be kind of surprised. But I, I just I really appreciated how how much they opened up. And I, I'd imagine that I, I don't I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's something that they've done on camera before. But I it was it was really uh, I, th- I thought it was it was it was great that they were so willing and open to talk about such a difficult thing when their whole bit is like you said, right. It's like this Andy Kaufman esque like crazy performance art thing and they're always playing another person when when talking to people i'd imagine this probably was a little bit more difficult for them to just be themselves and uh, the late dave brocky one of the co-founders of the band you know they talk about him just being in character and sometimes going into character for days not even necessarily as his guar persona odorous orungus sometimes you know they talk about going to Germany on a tour and for, you know, one of his friends said, yeah, he just decided he was going to be the Terminator for our entire <laughs> trip. And he was. It was kind of weird because you kept waiting for him to drop the act. And he just committed a very extreme character in his opinions, in his taste, in mm-hmm. his sort of extroverted uh, eccentricity. But something that Chad mentioned earlier, I think, is key and Part of the issue, if I have any issue with this otherwise very good documentary, is that it is trying to do justice to all the other people who were there. And there's no way they can cover them all. Really, the two most important people, arguably, are Dave Brocky and Hunter Jackson. Hunter Jackson, the artist and filmmaker who commissions his favorite local punk band, Death Piggy, to do music. And then the lead singer of Death Piggy going, hey, just for the hell of it, can we borrow your costumes? And so this film project slash art project kind of morphs into a band, which then becomes an ongoing thing over several years. And there's a seed of contention that's planted right there from the inception of the band. These two guys kind of arguing over, wait a minute, is this my band or your band? Is this my project or your project? Where where yeah. are those lines? And like Ryan was saying, that there are some guys here who probably get more uh, honest 
and emotional than they would typically be. Like we've said, these guys are often playing characters and very over the top. But here, without the makeup, without the costumes, talking about these things that happened 10, 20, 30 years ago, talking about people who are no longer here sometimes, it's important to know that there's a lot of love in this story and a lot of affection between these folks. But there's also bad blood, and not all of them live long enough to reconcile with one another, which adds a, a note of melancholy through that final half of the documentary. Yeah. The, what I love about the two framing devices of like time, where they have uh, the release of every album that they are releasing, and then for every, because like, when someone joins the band, they are, they building a new character for themselves. It's like the Muppets, basically. That was so cool. That <laughs> right. was such a cool, yeah. like it, it's, it's such an awesome idea that they, you get to become a new character for this story that they're creating. And Ryan, you'd probably regale us of uh, like how they try to tell stories. If, if anything on, on stage at all, what I was getting from it was that now they add a new character and it's someone, and they even mentioned this in the documentary, someone dies in real life then that character dies uh in the story itself and they that's that's it they don't no one takes it on again and uh, i was like wow that's a that's a really cool mythology that you're building in this idea and the story like to your point marco i thought the contention between uh hunter and dave the two founding members that like that was extremely interesting but i liked how it kind of veered off where one of them ends up leaving the band for a while and then it's just it's something else for a little bit and i was like well that's uh okay I, I could have stuck with just the, the points of contention, but I like how it's more about like everyone else too, rather than just Dave and Hunter. I could have totally gone without all the like celebrity cameos from like Thomas Lennon and Weird Al, even though I love those guys. I love, I love everyone. Yeah, sir. Look, I love all of them and I love Weird Al, God damn it. But I was kind of like, you had like, three lines in it. And that was like, what, what was the point? You just like, yeah, it was crazy. I was working with them once and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, well that's not really adding anything to this at all. That's almost like something that I think it's just like documentary or sorry, documentary trailer bait. You know, it's, you can show like, Oh, weird owls in it. And like, Oh, that's he's in the it guy for like from Reno 911. Yeah. It, that, that's kind of what that seemed like to me. And at least I did appreciate that they didn't. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure that this, this is because they couldn't get them for that long, but that, that they were kind of in and out. Uh, but yeah, it, it wasn't the most necessary thing in the world. But I did appreciate that, especially in the beginning, it really did show like what a cultural force they surprisingly were at points. Like they were on Joan Rivers show and which I hadn't I didn't know that they that they were. And they, they I don't know, just the fact that they did like such big talk shows and were uh, like as much of a force at that time kind of surprised me. I wasn't, I, I am a fan of them, but I wasn't aware of that. I would recommend absolutely like a million percent recommend this to anyone who has like a mild interest in Gore. I think it, it covers a lot of the bases. I think that this is something that's been touched on a little bit from both Wright and Marco, but I do think because I partially, cause there's just so many members in this band and so many people that it took to, to bring this together that it, that might seem I, I would have appreciated a little bit more focus at, at, at points. And I, I don't know, maybe that that's something that could be explored a little bit more in the future if another filmmaker wanted to take it on. But I overall, I, I really think that this is really well put together. There's some great uh, graphics and animations throughout that kind of like place you at the time and place of when certain albums came out and like how that affected the band and what was going on at that time. And uh, yeah, I would, I mean, I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's just has like a passing interest in the band and maybe 
maybe not uh maybe not anyone else but um, i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it uh eight out of ten cuttlefish damn you <laughs> oh man he stole my grade um so yeah i i really loved how they incorporated a lot of the the artwork that inspired all of them to create this, like you were saying, Ryan, where there's a lot of like comic book panels that explain certain situations. And that's all coming from Hunter, who was, you know, also, uh, you know, creating comics as well. I was like, well, that's, is, this is really cool that they, this is like the ultimate love letter to this band that you either might not know or not really like altogether, at least like the music, but even like listening to their music, I was like, well, it's pretty clever lyrics and it's not bad. I, I thought it was going to be more of just like either really bad metal or just the kind of like, like that kind of stuff. I'm like, I can't do that, but they're, they're honestly good singers too, at the same time, at least for like metal or punk bands. I was like, well, shit, uh, this is not a, they they should get a lot more recognition than they probably ever got ever (laughs) other than just being like the crazy weird band that dresses up in costumes. But it's a really great, like just dive into all of them rather than just uh, like, again, having just two people to focus on. It goes into, gosh, uh, the Dirks guy, uh, I forget his, I think his last name is Dirks, but he's like the most sympathetic, sympathetic, person in the entire thing and the like he if you want anyone to be next to you as if you're shot almost to death and to stay with you that's your guy and he goes through hell and back even throughout the whole like the film and you figure out like what he also goes through towards the end and he's like finally get back on stage i'm like god damn like that is that's the heart of the band right there but um yeah, it's really well put together. It's really fun and and light and you get to see some, you know, interesting conflict here and there, but you get to see this weird beautiful gross uh artistic mess come together that is it oddly works uh definitely for a documentary but just as a band and performance art piece in general. So, I yeah, I kind of loved it. Uh I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. As I said before, I, I'm not the world's biggest Gwar fan. I'm never going to be. But as someone with a theater background and an interest in, you know, special effects, wardrobe making, you know, live theater, all of that sort of stuff, they really are the complete package. I mean, maybe Alice Cooper is a point of comparison, the sort of Grand Guignol rock and roll type show. If anything else, it reminded me of another band that I genuinely do like called The Residents, another bunch of weirdos from the South who started a subversive, progressive uh, arts collective. And somehow over time, these performances pieces, uh, they just kind of became a band. They just sort of naturally evolved into a band. Uh, there's a great documentary about them called Theory of Obscurity. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend this one, too. This is as definitive a documentary as you're ever going to get about this band. And there are not a lot of people, like I said, the residents, there's not a lot of bands who've accomplished what these guys have done, working on the margins, doing these weird ass art projects and selling albums and largely supporting themselves independently by touring and merchandising. And Mike, hats off to them uh, for doing it for as long as they have. Uh, They definitely have deserved this very loving documentary. I think it does the band justice as well as their fan base. And if you're a fan, you're going to eat this up with a spoon. Uh, I am going to give this 9 out of 10 
painted six pack abs. <laughs> <laughs> the older the older they got, the more they painted those abs on. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Like those those lines definitely got thicker as they did. <laughs> You guys have said all the things like, again, I'm a I'm a fan of music in general. Definitely grew up uh, listening to heavy metal, various forms that come with that. For a while, they were doing a Halloween show in Chicago for a couple of years in a row. Just never made it. I'm definitely going to try to go see them now. And even though they're it's I don't think any of the original members are in the band currently. It's still a performance piece that I would definitely love to be in the front row for even though I won't know shit for lyrics, but <laughs> you got to be uh, up front for it. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. go big or go home. Zone. Exactly. Oh, for sure. Technical wise. Like I feel like if you look at the end credits, there weren't a lot of people that worked on this. This was really a low budget, just like the band, like a low budget, indie budget type of film. So with all those, you know, me personally working on low budget shit, knowing like, Oh man, we could have used this person, this person, but we don't have budget. I think I'm more forgiving on some of the maybe missteps in narrative or, you know, technical stuff like, you know, it happens. Uh, But I think this is a very strong documentary. I learned something stuff I really probably don't need to know, but I love that I know it now. (laughs) I'll go with Marco on this one. I'll go nine out of ten executioners. Nice. Nice. I got to say, of all the documentaries I've seen that feature beheadings, oversized cuttlefish penises ejaculating into an audience and random objects being stuck down a priest's butt. This is the most endearing and wholesome one I've ever seen. <laughs> It'll make you cry. Damn. Uh, 